So yeah, I mean, media has become much less centralized, so decentralized, right? And we're all choosing our own channels, like we were talking about with podcasting. When mm -hmm. you find the right podcast for you, you just feel great. Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Before we get started, I want to thank my sponsor partner, the Association of Commercial Professionals Life Sciences. ACPLS provides marketing, sales, and customer service professionals an international forum for the exchange of knowledge, including opportunities for ongoing education, networking, and professional development. Those networking and development opportunities have been very valuable to me personally, and I believe would be equally valuable to anyone listening to this podcast. To learn more, visit acp-ls.org. And while you're there, subscribe to the newsletter to receive content and activity updates. Now, let's get back to the show. My guest today is the host and producer of MendelsPod.com, which is a blog and podcast devoted to advancing the life science industry by connecting people and ideas. Theral Timpson, welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me on. It's my pleasure. I think this is going to be fun. Um, so the reason I invited you on the show is I'm interested in life science media in general and the idea of companies using media like a podcast to build their audience. And I, I think your background story is interesting as a starting place and would be valuable for our audience to hear. So you told me previously your first choice was music. So I'm curious how you made the jump to life science. Right. So um... – Actually, it happened, you know, it's, we, we all have these stories, right, where um, it just kind of comes out of the blue. But I was in college, and I was. I was studying music and, and also English literature, and um, I had to work in college. And so I was the office manager for a uh, actually a construction company, and this is back in Utah. And I had no connections to life science at this point. And um, I decided to do a study abroad program one summer, which lost me my job. So when I got back, my brother-in-law said, hey, I'm, I'm doing a startup, and, uh, and maybe you can come work with us, and uh, we're making pipette tips. And I said, pipette what? <laughs> now, I knew he had had a company making tips before this and had sold it and was a multimillionaire. So that was good enough for me, and I said, hey, I'm on board. So I uh, I went in there, and they had one injection molding machine, and they were making pipette tips. And I, I said, why does it have a hole in the bottom? Because I thought this was a, the tip for a syringe. Yeah. And he says, no, oh. it's, a, it's for transferring liquid. So he got out a pipette or put on the tips and started transferring liquid. And I'm like, okay, why would you do that? So I really started – you know, with wow. <laughs> with not much knowledge, and I wasn't taking biology or genetics or even chemistry um, in college. You know, I was going from queer theory literary studies and playing the clarinet over to work um, marketing these pipette tips. Um, but anyway, I sold their first tips. We were at first trying to sell to laboratories, and that was kind of tough. 
to break in there with just a pipette tip. <laughs> um, and so I set about setting up a, a distribution network, which ended up being, you know, a, a worldwide kind of project. And I ended up going into laboratories and genetics facilities across the world. I was at the Rice Genome um, Center outside Tokyo when they had just bought like 20 ABI 3700s, the first sequencers, uh-huh. you know. And so I was watching all this happen and, and, of course, talking to the customers. I basically learned about the industry. Wow. That's, yeah, that's an interesting, that's a fascinating story. Like the first thing you saw of our industry was literally the tip. <laughs> so, um, Pretty basic. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Those things fascinate me just for other reasons, like the the gazillions of those that have to be produced and get thrown away and whatever. But anyway. The billions. Yeah. 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 So the guy I was – my brother-in-law had invented the the tip for sequencing back when you would put the tip between – when you would do gels. Right. I've done that. The tip between plates. Right. Yeah. And so he created – he was able to mold this kind of flat like duck build tip at the end. Um, called the gel sequencing tip, I think. And that's really, you know, when his company took off. And so he did pretty well with that because there's just billions of them. Then, of course, automated sequencing came out and they weren't that much in demand. Right. So then tell me how you get started with Mendelspod.com. What got you thinking about a podcast? Right. So I was doing life science marketing, uh, consulting, like you're doing. And I uh, had various clients, and I, I like that. I like the jump from moving from one company. I was with that one company from college for 13 years. And, uh, and then I got pulled into some other companies, and I thought, I should just do this you know, freelance as a consultant. Then I can go here and go there. And so I got pulled into a DNA synthesis company and um, ended up actually doing some startups um, as well on the side. And I really liked the jump to having multiple projects. You know, I wasn't limited by this one line of pipette tips or lab consumables, you know, I mean, it expanded a bit. Um, but I guess, you know, my mind, um, I, (laughs) I needed a little bit more stimulation and I love the fact that I could work with one company, uh, for a week and then they would, you know, set the action plan into progress and I could go off to another company and work with them. Right. So, um, so then that's what I was doing. And um, I hired a life kind of career coach, I guess, career coach, um, who was also a friend of mine. And um, she referred me to a book. And so I was like 10 pages into this book. And, and the author was talking about podcasting. And I thought, that's it, you know. <laughs> I should do a podcast and and it just made total sense and at the time I knew there was a BioIT world podcast but I felt like it was pretty commercially focused you know kind mm-hmm. of advertising and then I had heard the Nature podcast so I'd heard a couple podcasts and uh, you know like Nature magazine right. but they were just summarizing stories in nature right yep. and I thought what if I was to just do stories all over the industry and really feature people and one of my favorite news programs over the years has been charlie rose yes you know charlie rose oh yeah 
Yeah, so those, you know, many hours late at night watching him talk to people and just the art of conversation. Right. And and just letting it go where it went. And so that was really a model for me starting out was Charlie Rose. But I, I told my career coach, I said, hey, what do you think about a podcast? She says, I think there's something to that. And she had actually worked in a TV studio the previous four years, a community television studio. She was, she was quite fascinated by media, and she's an avid consumer of media. I mean, she reads everything that comes out all the time. She's one of those people, you know, that in the car, she'll, she'll, she'll grab any, you know, kind of brochure or any product label or anything and read it. Um, and so she, she's actually my business partner now, and, uh, and, she, and I have to give a lot of credit to her. She really um, came up with the whole thing with me. Uh, it was a couple weeks over Christmas holiday, actually. So it's coming up on five years. And um, we tell people we just had a little bit too much wine. <laughs> so do you remember the book that you were reading? Yeah, the book was Six Pixels of Separation. Okay. I think I've heard of that, but I have not read it. So a bit of a twist on you know the movie. Right. Um, Six Degrees. Yep. And uh, written by Mitch Joel, a Canadian marketing guru who has lots of good ideas. I admit, actually, I have not finished the book. I got to the pod. I, I do this with books. Once I get to like that idea that sends me going, um, then I just have to pursue the idea. And sometimes I don't even make it back to the books. Okay. Well, I will certainly – I'll put a link to that in the show notes when this comes out so people can – if they're interested, they can find it. Um, oh, good. Yeah, I was so proud after we'd been going for like a year uh, to go on Twitter or LinkedIn or somewhere and, and say, hey, Mitch, Joel, thanks for the book. We've actually created a business from reading your book. Nice. Well, that's that's what we're talking about today. So for those who haven't heard it, um, can you describe – how would you – I mean, I mentioned Mendel's Pot at the beginning, but I'd love to hear how you describe what it's really about. Right. So when I invite someone on the show – um, I usually keep it simple. I say, you know, it's a, a podcast where I'm interviewing thought leaders around the industry. Um, so our vision is to connect people and ideas in life sciences in an interesting way, in a thought-provoking, you know, deeper conversation, a little bit longer period of time than you get with an article, you know, or the quick sound bites that we've become so used to. Right. And... Um, you mentioned, I mean, I share the love of podcasting, but describe for me what that's like. What What do you get out of it? What do I personally get out of it? Yeah. Okay, so if, if going from one company to several companies I was consulting for as a marketer was a nice jump for me, going into the media was every bit as nice a jump. Um, because, you see, I can interview someone – uh, today and then I'll spend a couple days researching, getting into that interview, and just you know I really just absorb everything. I mean I just really imagine myself in that person's life, and and try to think like them and try to have their vision. I'll do the interview, and next week I'm on to something else. Right. So it's it's you know it's fantastic for someone who likes stimulation like I do. But then also the chance to connect the different themes uh, that are going on, right, from um, new ways of sharing data, open science, um, trans to, um, you know, regulation topic would become known 
um, as a sort of expert source for what's going on with uh, the FDA and genetic testing. Mm -hmm. And I find it deeply satisfying to sort of connect these threads at a high level. Yes. You know, the highest level possible. And and we always try – I think we're pretty much science folk. We're, we try to be on the edge of science at Mendel's Pod, right? So most life science media, it will be about the business, right? Mm -hmm. Who got funded, you know, Series A, Series B, um, stock reports, um, mergers, how much they're selling this product for. Um, and then there's the ones that are just devoted to science, right? Nature Magazine, Science Magazine. Yep. Um, and, you know, that's peer-reviewed. That's been a long tradition. That's the really high-level stuff. Um, so we have we, – we'll touch on these various different things, but I think we try to kind of stay close to the science as it comes out, but then always try to connect it to usually healthcare, mm -hmm. right? Or it could be the environment. Right. That's where most of it's – in life sciences, that's where it's going, right? <laughs> Right, and 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 from that perspective, I mean, what could be more satisfying, mm -hmm. you know, than seeing science as it comes fresh off the press, right, or down the bench, and then seeing it applied in real life applications, um, is just you know we all know people who suffer from various maladies, and uh, or maybe we have, and uh, and to see it make a difference in people's lives, I mean, it's just it's it's. Um, it's just an amazing opportunity. We feel like we have a front row seat to the century biology. Exactly. And so you say how fascinating it is to you and how lucky you are to hear this. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking in terms of building an audience of scientists or other people in the industry, how compelling that type of content is to, to that group of people. So my, Next question is, are, do you target a specific audience? Do you have a certain group in mind or you're just going out there looking for stories and uh, everyone's welcome? I guess I'm trying to understand your strategy, but. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, I think the way media has evolved these days, uh, you would uh, be doing yourself a disservice not to just make it available, right? Right. So all of our shows are freely available and we put it on social media and, and, and try to, you know, get it out to as big of audience as we can. Um, but at the same time, I have to say the organic audience that's built up has definitely been industry insiders, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean your content has to address a certain group for sustained attention, I think, right? I, I guess so. Yeah. Right. The loyal audience that comes back. Yeah. You know, again and again, because they want to see how it's developing, what's what's new developments. Um, so I've been told that we're they uh, uh, that people like us because we're a bit future oriented, mm -hmm. edgy, looking toward the future. Um, when I do the podcast, a lot of times I think about uh, myself when I was doing a couple startups. You know, I I actually got involved in a genetic testing company back. In 2006 or so, and that was the year that 23andMe started. Yeah. And it was so exciting. I gave so much of my life to that, but it was really difficult, and it was really frustrating. It didn't work out for us. Um, and I look back now, and I, I see, hey, these were issues the whole industry is dealing with. 
you know, yes. as the birth of precision medicine and laboratory medicine and, and diagnostics. And still diagnostics are not valued, I think, as highly as they ought to be. You know, and that's one of the topics we pursue. On Relative the- to therapeutics, you mean, for example? Yeah. 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 So is that a cultural thing? Is that like, you know, I mean, you're a consultant, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot of companies will just kind of expect you to kind of know what's wrong and just kind of tell them. <laughs> um, and they value your working with them to help them solve the problems, but they don't value that initial, you know, diagnosis of the problem. And yet we, you know, we have the cliches like, you know, uh, naming the problems 50% of the solution kind of thing. Yeah. No, it's funny. You just uh, made me think of, you know, what Joe Polizzi says about content marketing all the time. Everybody wants the solution. No one wants to do the work that's going to take to figure out what it is. And so, you know, half the content marketers don't have a plan. I mean, it's sort of the same thing, right? Everybody would like a product to solve their disease problem, but. um, Yeah. What? Yeah, I mean no, that's a fascinating. The diagnostic is not as sexy for some reason. <laughs> right, right. So what is the problem there? You know, I mean, have diagnostics companies in the past just undervalued themselves? You know, is it just considered a commodity? You know, may, maybe it's something like this. You know, it's been so com- commoditized, um, like you know the typical blood tests that we get, mm-hmm. looking at our um, cholesterol or this or that. And and that has been around for a long time. And now there's this explosion of new science and new knowledge and research um, that is really valuable. And it's it's an explosion, literally. And so the market just hasn't learned yet its value. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I, I've never thought of that question about why diagnostics are not as popular, to put mm. it bluntly. Mm-hmm. But you, if you're a business... You can sell the diagnostic once, although you could sell many of them, hmm. um, but you get to sell a drug forever yeah. in any cases, right? It's just a different right. – I don't know if that goes into it or not. I'm not that savvy about it. <laughs> I think that's a lot of why investors <laughs> but, will, you know, invest in the drug company over the diagnostic space. They want the, the long-term annuity. Yeah. So going back, um, I do kind of imagine myself sitting there as a marketer trying to figure out this whole genetic testing thing. And um, if I could have changed anything about myself back then, I would have read more and I would have gone to more conferences to realize that, you know, the businesses down the road and and up the street, um, to realize that they were going through the same things, you know, and connecting with them. And I didn't do much of that. It was like, oh, you know, this is our unique problem. And we were hitting our heads against the wall trying to figure it out. Now that I've interviewed hundreds of people, you know, I mean, everybody's struggling with this. And I think they improve. They take steps forward by by connecting. Yes. I mean, that's uh, that's another sweet spot topic I'd love to dive into because uh, – Getting people in our industry to share their challenges, maybe in biotech it's different because everybody, uh, maybe they're working on different things that aren't competitive. Mm -hmm. But in life science in general, if you're a product or a supplier, I find it difficult to get marketers, for example, to share what their challenges are in a group Mm -hmm. for some 
mysterious fear that by saying what they don't think they're good at, they're going <laughs> to um, give away some intellectual property or secret that some competitor is going to take advantage of. Right. Right. So the IP is the issue. Right. And and we want to protect our IP in the companies. I remember when I went to my first trade show <laughs> way back with the pipette tip company. And it was like paradise for me because there were all of our competitors with all of their latest stuff. And you could go just handle it, touch it, talk to the people who sold it, even talk to the people who made it. And, um, and we had people in our company who was very much against our, you know, exhibiting there. Um, but I'm like, you know, if we lose any ideas, I mean, we gain so much more. And so it's this balance, and I, I listen to my guests walk this kind of tightrope between protecting IP but sharing what they're doing in a PR sense. Right. Right? They need to share enough to get interest, to get the word out there, but of course, you know, not too much. Right. And usually it's the CEOs who do that the best, and so they're the ones who come on and talk. Exactly, and they're they're prepped for that. I, I'm trying to get people to find that line where, um, you know, they protect their IP. I don't want anybody to give away their product information, but sometimes I feel that we could all elevate the industry and do better for our customers um, by sharing our marketing challenges with each other and get get really good at at, at doing that together. And so, and let the products compete, but elevate our marketing across the board mm-hmm. to reach, you know, to serve the healthcare and the environment community better. I think the world of IP is kind of changing, actually. How so? Um, I think we've been quite influenced by the the um, IT industry mm-hmm. and sector, you know, and they pursue the open source model, and there's whole conferences on open. And and we you know we've had that introduced into science. It's been most successful with open access journals, mm-hmm. right? Um, who just you know it's sort of an ethical um, imperative for those who have set up these open access journals, which have thrived, by the way. You know, PLOS, right. Public Library of Science. Um, it maybe hasn't done as well in, you know, in things like sharing, you know, information and research. But I think you do see some very creative stuff these days with pharma partnering with universities, you know, whereas there used to be more of a, a wall there. Mm-hmm. And I think there's new tools online, you know, for, for sharing at certain levels. I just interviewed um, someone from Amazon Cloud, and we got a little bit into this. Um, but you can you can have all of your data uploaded to the cloud, and then you can custom design you know all of your sharing levels. Okay. And so I don't know if this applies to marketers, and I know that's your audience. Um, it's more for scientists, but maybe marketers can start thinking of 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 you know the infinite possibilities in between the positions of don't share anything and share everything. Right. Exactly. I, I think there's an opportunity for that. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, so let's go back to your podcast a little bit. I'm curious, has it evolved from when you started? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. For sure. How, tell me how it's evolved. <laughs> yes, that's my answer. 
I mean, when we started, we we didn't have much, you know. I mean, I didn't, I hadn't really um, established a name in the industry yet. We were completely the new kid on the block, and um, and and now now you know it's it's much easier for me to get an interview. Although I have to say, in this industry, people have been really open to giving interviews and friendly, and particularly on the science side. Mm-hmm. You know, investors tend. Speaking of IP, investors tend to keep their cards kind of close to their vest. And, sure. Oh, the less we talk, the better we'll do in business. <laughs> but we've got a few on, and there are a few enlightened investors. You know, um, who've made uh, you know a brand for themselves by speaking, and I think they do well for it. You know, Vinod Kosla, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how else have we evolved? Um, we do. We used to do a show kind of whenever we got one recorded you know and then we we um build up our audience to about 50,000 and now we're sending out a couple shows a week uh-huh. for the most part so you, um, you got we, started before podcast before there were was a podcasting expert to coach you on every street corner right <laughs> other than the book you read i mean now i yeah. you know i have access to a number of different podcasters who are experts and have been doing it and make their living teaching other people how to podcast. Uh-huh. You know, I, I was on one last week, actually. We're going to upgrade our recording equipment and studio. Um, so it's time to do that. I think our audience will be very happy. Um, and so I was on the, uh, the podcaster studio podcast. Okay. And he goes along and reviews mixers and microphones and all this stuff and <laughs> it, that's his whole podcast yeah you know, it's, it's just the recording equipment stuff and he's so good at it um so when you come across a podcast that you need right now there is nothing in the world like it do you know what i mean i'm no, sure I'm sorry i missed you there for a second so when you come across when you come across a podcast mm-hmm. that you need yeah. You know, that, that's been in the direction that you've been researching or interested. Oh, yeah. And then there's one show after another, and this person's just focused on that niche. Yes. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it makes your month. It does, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, so I, I was going to hold this question off, but now that you mentioned that, I'm curious what other podcasts you listen to. Oh, <clears throat> Science well, listen, or otherwise. Yeah, I listen to a lot of radio. Um, I listen to Star. I listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson once in a while. Okay. I go through different periods. You know, I'll have a period of six months or a year where I just don't listen to anything. Okay. Usually, when I'm in kind of a creative mode and working to produce something new. Um, don't listen to a lot of science podcasts, probably just because you know I'm. I don't know. I'm reading so much there and doing so much research, going mm-hmm. to so many conferences, watching so many talks. I mean, I get a lot off YouTube. Okay. Right. Uh, if I am interviewing someone and there's a an, a um, a video of them on YouTube doing a scientific presentation, my job is just becomes so much easier. Right. You know, because I can see the person, I get a sense of them, I know the trajectory of what they want to talk about. So that helps me, and that's all research stuff. What I do for me, sort of honing my uh, my podcasting skills, I still watch Charlie Rose. Yep. I still like Charlie Rose. Um, I'm I've I've become 
I'm changing a bit. Um, I'm I'm less as excited about him as I was when I started. Um, I like something a little more provocative, and so I watch um, every Bill Maher program. Okay. And um, watched a lot of John Stewart. Yep. Daily Show. All right. Yeah. So I love that stuff, and um, and and we start to develop uh, a bit. So we started a program this year called Gene and Tonic. Yeah. And it was just a short. Did you catch some? I have caught some, and I want to say when you say that Gene and Tonic and Mendel's Pod, I I struggle with names. You know, the mm. naming of my business before Life Science Marketing Radio. Yeah. I'm not even going to mention it because I'm trying to get away from it. But you came up with two of the most brilliant names in our industry, Mendel's Pod, um, which if you're a geneticist goes, yep, I know what he's talking about, and um, Gene and Tonic, and it's great. Drink more wine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm a Gene and Tonic. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going straight for the, Drink more Gene and Tonic. <laughs> yeah, I'm going straight for the juniper berries. Um, I mean, it helps to have a, a friend or a partner, right? I've got a partner. Yep. And I'm on here doing this interview with you, but my partner is absolutely equal in this business. I can't imagine doing it without her. What? And so I have to ask, what what does she do? So we call her executive producer. Um, but I mean, she she does um, a lot of the research, so she helps me say, yeah, this guest would be good or not. Mm-hmm. Um, she. I mean, most of my questions come pretty naturally now because I'm so familiar with the industry. But if we really want to focus on an interview and have a special, I mean, okay, they're all special, but uh, maybe if it's a challenging interview, something new, new direction, then she'll help me hone the questions. She's an extremely good communicator. That was her field, communication. Right. And she's very good at paring it down to the basics. Nice. And then she just has a, a – she actually is – she actually has the marketing sense in our team. Okay. Which which we always laugh about because I was in marketing and she's <laughs> like, you're the marketer. Why don't you come up with this? <laughs> um, but she really helped to hone our business model um, and, and develop that. And, um, and, and then we just do it as a team all the time. That's fantastic. And I, and I ask these questions because I, I – one, as I mentioned to you privately, I, I'm encouraging people to think about audio content as a source of content yeah. for their business, whether or not they choose to put it out in a regular podcast. And I think it might be a little intimidating. So I'm, I'm trying to get people to understand, you know, the level of effort it takes. And, you know, from my point of view, I think it's easier than most people would expect it to be. Mm. Um, certainly easier than sitting down and writing. And if you're trying to get content out of a subject matter expert, it's way easier to put a microphone in front of them and speak to them than to say, here's a blank piece of paper. Tell me everything you know. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, which is yeah. so hard for like, anybody. It is, especially scientists who think that it needs to be this and this and this. Exactly. In that way, right? Yeah. I mean, you're trying to take the constraints off of getting information out of their head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just interviewing a scientist at Baylor. Very well-known scientist. And we finished the interview, and he was obviously very savvy with PR. I mean, he turned on the charm, and and he gave a great interview. And then right after, he says, I know what you're doing. I said, oh, you know, I mean, I sat back. Okay, I'm all ears. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, 
the stuff that you're getting out of scientists today is what's going to appear in the papers in five years. Nice. And I thought, I hadn't thought of it that way, but wow, there's our whole marketing plan, right? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that's your new marketing plan, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a nice little, yeah, we're, we're telling you now what's going to happen in five years. So that, that's a perfect segue to wrap this up because I have one last question. At the end of the year, of course, you know, every day now in my inbox that, or on LinkedIn, there is some marketer giving their predictions for next year. So now I'm going to ask you what your predictions are for um, how content and marketing are going to evolve, evolve in our industry. What do you see happening? You know, and I'm not asking for next year or whatever, just your general thoughts. Like, the trends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I uh, sometimes I do write a, a, what I think is going to happen in the industry for the following year. So do stay tuned. Um, I've even been right once or twice. Um, but it's mostly just the fun. Yeah, none of them say, here's what I said last year. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh, right. <laughs> Let's forget about that. Let's look ahead. I did predict that Luke Timmerman would become an entrepreneur. <laughs> okay. He's the journalist um, who used to write at Exconomy and now his own, has his own gig. Um, so trends, yeah, I mean, this is a big one. Uh, I think there's trends, and I'll just try to keep it simple, but I think there's, you know, total revolutions going on um, both in the industry, life science industry, and in media. In the industry, I think it's more towards the sharing and open access. Uh, I, I really do. And that IP is evolving, like I was talking about. Okay. And it's looked at differently. you know. And there's a lot of people thinking, and a lot of people coming over from tech, who are thinking about um, – models that you know have already become commonplace in tech where um where you think about revenue stream later but let's get the people involved and 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 um and make this an integral part of life yeah so you would say audience building first is that what how you would that's what i'm thinking i'm not sure that's what uh, you're sharing yeah exactly audience building first and making for sure that you know there's connection there and something's happening Mm -hmm. um so you don't have these big big expensive failures now that's not as easy in the life science industry obviously this is just a brush stroke um media is changing as well as we all know right i mean you probably don't get that printed newspaper on your front door every morning like you used to definitely not so only when I, mean, I need to start my barbecue do I go buy a paper, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And I can just see you there with half of it lit on, you know, flamed and then you're like, Oh, that's a good story, trying to put that fire <laughs> reading the thing. <laughs> so yeah, I mean media has become much less centralized, so decentralized, right? And we're all choosing our own channels. Like we were talking about with podcasting. When mm-hmm. you find the right podcast for you, you just feel great and um, you know I don't even subscribe to TV anymore some you know one of those who's unplugged as they call it and and I just stream everything mostly over the iPad and we just go for the channels that we want and that really appeal for us the other thing and and, and having to do with marketing I think marketing and advertising and media is changing I think when the internet came out we just basically took billboards off the freeway and off the print and stuck them up on the website. Um, but, you know, I, I've been following a guy, Lou Pascalis, 
who says that advertising as an industry is over. Okay, that's pretty. That's a pretty big claim. <laughs> um, but he says, you know, now we can all be marketers and get out of that ridiculous business of advertising. And here's what he argues: advertising is just, you know, it's it's so kind of aggressive and just knock you over the head, boring. And he, and he says what people want on their devices is not advertisements. It's content. Yeah. And so let's be marketers and do what's really fun, and that's create stories and create content. Yep. Um, content is the gateway product. Right? If yep. you want to sell somebody something, start with content. Get them hooked on your way of thinking, your experience that you're delivering to them. Yeah. And, you know, marketers, I mean, salespeople do this when they're out in the field, right? I, I read your blog about creating personas mm-hmm. and and finding ways to talk to people and, uh, you know, imagining your customers in this in this situation. It's just being willing to do that online, you know, right. digitally. And um, and by the way, I find the blogs very fascinating. I mean, I saw you had Dale Yuzuki on your program. Mm-hmm. He started that uh, behind the bench at Thermo. Yep. A uh, brilliant way they were engaging with their customers. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, and I had, uh, well, I got um, connected with Dale through um, Jeremy Schulz, who mm-hmm. is involved in a, you know, a thermal blog and a couple of other media projects they've done. Um, another, yeah, people, should, if you haven't listened to those episodes, I highly recommend both of them. Yeah. I mean, Jeremy's an example of somebody that came over from um, Consumer electronics i think yes you know and trying to bring some of the tools they've figured out there yeah and and i really feel like life science media is just is just you know totally open for for new new ways um a, a lot you know tech has has already matured a bit with their media thing i think you know they had tech crunch early on and and they really evolved but life science was so old-fashioned and stayed uh, you know, I felt as a marketer, we had that old gen, right, genetic yep. engineering news that came around and, um, you know, a few others. And it just wasn't near as lively as you might get in other sectors. Right. And, yeah, and now every company has the opportunity to make their own channel. Like you say, every consumer is deciding on what their channel will be. So why not take advantage and uh, as a company and decide what channel you want to deliver through? So you're trying to get – you'd like to persuade your um, your audience of marketers, is that it, to uh, to consider audio and podcasting? I would. I mean among other things. I mean I, I really just try to help them figure out you know, what content they should create and how they should deliver it. I just think podcasting or creating audio content is uh, overlooked. So I, I saw something this morning from Jay Bear, and this is not – I've seen this before from him, but – if you take it even higher, if you create a video, you have everything you need. You've got audio, you've got images, you can transcribe the audio into text, you can do everything. But, um, and I put a tweet out this morning about the second law of thermodynamics for content, which is you can't take text and images and audio and somehow squeeze them together and get a video back out of it. Mm. Right? But if you start with your content by creating video, you can turn that into all kinds of things. I'm just trying to make it easier for people to create um, content rather than starting with written word. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think it'll be a great trend as it happens. 
yeah. uh, with more marketers considering podcasting because it'll put them in touch. You know, you have to do a podcast, therefore you have to research. And you have to think a little bit maybe outside what you were thinking. And and they'll they'll start connecting. You know, we start connecting when we do these podcasts. And then you see a bigger picture, and I think that's just always good. Yeah, that's a huge benefit for the marketers. And um, as you mentioned, when you build that um, audience, you um, you create access that you might not have had before to individuals <laughs> who you'd like to have talking to you and not just people who would talk nicely about your products, but you get access to phenomenal scientific minds just to share their thoughts and build your own audience just by sharing what they know unrelated to anything your product or service does. Right. So I, I think there's a, it's such a human thing to, to reach out and meet people like we're doing right here. Right. I mean, if I were a marketer at XYZ company and called you up and said, hey, can you do a, an article for me? You, I don't know what you would have said, but I think the chances are lower that someone would say, sure, I'll do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Rather than, hey, let's have a conversation about an interesting topic we both think is fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Well, Thurl Timpson, I want to thank you very much. This has been um, even better than I imagined, and I really <laughs> enjoyed all the ideas you shared with us today. Um, is there someplace you want people to go and find out more about Mendel's pod? I mean, I will certainly link to Mendelspod.com. Cool. Thank you. Mendelspod.com. Yeah. And thanks for having me on and, uh, and giving me a chance to talk to your audience. Um, and congratulations on your podcast. You've got some really nice shows there. Well, thank you very much. And it was my pleasure to speak to you today. And thank you listeners for tuning into this show. If you're enjoying the podcast, um, I have a favor to ask, and that is would you please share it with a a colleague or someone else you know who who would benefit from it? If we can get um, more listeners to the podcast, we can attract more great guests to share their brilliant marketing ideas with all of us. And so thank you very much in advance, and I will talk to you in a couple weeks. Bye-bye.